The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. I don't know why that went to that, but uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, if you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Yep, you can see the face that's made for radio. And there's two videos at the top of the page there. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you didn't get to see that uh, and you'd like to check that out, you can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern today, at which time he will be live in that area right there. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button, blow it up on whatever device you got there, look for the rumble icon, Click on that, and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. we got a lot of friends over there this morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, be sure and check that out, okay? While you're over there, please subscribe to the channel. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel on Rumble, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. And uh, we're also streaming live on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page over there, and we appreciate those guys giving us a spot as well. Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter, uh, again, that goes out late afternoon, early evening most days. And then uh, that's all the articles we have for the day, including the Morning Show Archive. And you can see, those of you watching my video, this was yesterday's Morning Show Archive. So uh, videos, the, in fact, it's got more than just what was on the show. We, I put all of the links for the articles that we have. So if you, if, even if you don't get our emails, they're in the Morning Show Archive, okay? Plus all the articles we talk about, videos, and then... You know, when I have them, which is usually every day, but sometimes it's not every day, um, there are bonus videos, things that I find interesting, I think you might find interesting, and such like that. So uh, take a look at that and check it out, and then sign up for the email newsletter. We would appreciate it very much. Also, forgot to open this up because I am uh, a one-man band here, and so when I, when I come on, I'm having to pull up all this different stuff, but just to let you know... Uh, the Soldier of the Cross, I'm going to call it the duo. I, I told Stephanie we ought to have like a, a pack so you can get just both of them in one thing, maybe save a couple of bucks. I don't know. But we've got the Soldier of the Cross t-shirts 
Those are $20. I think they're $25 if uh, you get anything double uh, X or, or greater. Uh, the Soldier of the Cross t-shirt, I've got one. Man, the colors on it are really, really brilliant. So uh, check that out. And then also Bradley has a book to go along with it, Soldier of the Cross book. That's $10 in our store. You can get to it directly by going to thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. Or you can go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. And at the top of the page, there is a store link. Uh, just click on that, and that'll take you over there. Uh, get them together for 30 bucks now. Uh, plus shipping and you're good to go so just wanted to let you know that's going on i have a my plan is to sit down and read this book this weekend so we'll see how that goes <laughs> every time i plan something everything else gets in the way i, I don't know what it is about it but uh, but that happens it's just it's one of those things in any case before we get to the main topic today you know there's been a lot of people talking about Russell Brand. I don't know, you know, the guy has his moments of being funny. Okay, he he does. But I think it's pretty clear whose side he's on. If it's not clear to you, I'm going to try to clear that up for you. Okay. Yesterday, we were talking about uh, Apple, Google, the World Economic Forum, specifically Yuval Noah Harari, the open sodomite who thinks, I guess he thinks he'll be God one day. Um, and all of this, let's take a listen. This is Russell Brand and Noah Harari. Chummy, chummy, chummy. All right. Under the skin is back, and look who's with me. It's Yuval Noah Harari. Hello. Hey, good to be here again. Isn't it wonderful that we've found a way of communicating with each other in the form of podcasts? Uh, I think it is. And is there some love between us now? I think so. I feel love. I feel. I look at you. I look at your eyes. I think you are a beautiful person. Thank you. It's important, isn't it? Uh, very. Not going to say I'm a beautiful person. You are. <laughs> See, he thinks I'm beautiful. He was aching. I'm not that. good in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but your husband looks happy over there. Yeah, my husband is very good in this. Situation. Catch him. Catch him. Perhaps we've got to think on the fly, girl. We've got to be gonzo. Well, me, you, Valno Harari. We are going to be talking about love. Power, technological disruption. In fact, I've written down the three most important things. Mm. Nuclear war, climate change, technological disruption. They weren't written on that bit of paper. I just remembered them using my brain box. <laughs> I've been learning. Thank you. All right. And so Russell goes along to validate that this guy is, quote unquote, married, which he's not, to another man. He's, I mean, my goodness. That's not all. It's not just that he's with Harari, okay? Listen to this. The truth is that Ukrainian people, Russian people, American people, Saudi people, Icelandic people, Senegalese people all have more in common with one another than they have in common with the people that govern them. What is required is a new system of global governance that Ooh. somehow comprises the local and the global in a way that gives us the ability to stand up to serious external threats and simultaneously govern our small local communities. Wow. <laughs> well, listen, if you want a real global government, get under the one king. He allows you to have your sovereign nations... They're independent of each other, and he's going to be king of all of them, though. He's already given the law. 
It's in, the, it's in the hearts and minds of every man. They just try to suppress that in their unrighteousness. And so uh, I just thought I'd play that for you. Those are two little clips here. You can, um, you, can, you can do what you want to with it, everything else. You know, obsolete, um, you keep saying that, man. You were one, too, right from birth. What do you think that amniotic sac is full of? Hmm? Yeah, go do your research, and you'll find out different than uh, mocking it and making fun of it, saying things that uh, the Bible doesn't say about it. Uh, but take a look at that. You, you really need to educate yourself. In any case, we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about the, the fact that we tell you here, we don't pick a side, Republican, Democrat. Uh, I've said it before, that what we deal with is who is lawful and who is lawless. And I'll tell you what, if the people who are your conservative talking heads, I know I look like one here, just my head showing, but you're conservative, you're Christian, you're Republican, whatever, talking heads, if those guys would actually stick to the two things, they're either lawful or they're lawless, instead of saying the left of right, left and right, what does that even mean? Stop and think about that for a second. We've been taught to use those terms. What does that even mean? You're on the right. Right of what? You're a leftist. You're on the left. Left of what? Right and left of the law. Both of them. Both of them. And see, I don't have to come on a show and necessarily show you all of the stuff that deals with... um, Joe Biden, you already, most of you, the vast majority of you, if not all of you listening to me, already know he's a bad guy. You know he's a traitor. You know the crimes he's committed. Same thing with with the party he represents. You know their crimes. I don't have to convince you of that. The problem that we have here on the Sons of Liberty is convincing people that the guys who say that are on their side are actually on their side, the side of the law. We have a hard time convincing them that those who claim they're that aren't that. They'll take up the moniker of right and Republican and conservative and constitutionalist and all that, and then everything that comes out of their mouth is anything but that. All their actions, their votes, tend to show that they're not what they claim to be. And so maybe we need to start calling them what they really are, cons. Conservatives. They're conning the people. Maybe that's what they need to see. Hmm. So, I mean, within a week, we've got two of these Republicans who've exposed themselves as hypocrites. And by the way, I would say in the manner they have done it, they should both get out of office. That's not how things are going to work. That used to be how it worked. I can remember years ago, maybe you guys remember a big old guy serving in uh, Congress by the name of Henry Hyde. (laughs) I mean, this guy, he was not a playboy-looking fellow, that's for sure. Yet, what was he doing? He was running around committing adultery. And he resigned in disgrace. Apologized and resigned. Other people have done that too. Not today. They just say a little I'm sorry, and they just continue on about their merry way. 
while telling you they're Christian, conservative, Republican, they're for the law, they're for the Constitution, blah, 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 blah. So you guys have heard the news. I'm not going to spend uh, you know, a ton of time on this, but I, but I do think that it's, there's some points that need to be made, and we need to return to the old paths. Okay, We need to return to the old paths. And I'm going to show you what I mean here in a second. This came out, what day is today? Tuesday? I don't know when I sent this. Whatever day it came out. On the 15th. The 15th is uh, what? Four days ago? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Friday, Saturday? I don't know. Somewhere in there. This is the, the, the Christy Noam has been having a years-long... It's not an affair. It's adultery. Both of them are married. That guy, Corey Lewandowski, you know, the Trump advisor and, and security guy who took that lady. I, I first saw him when he pushed over that reporter. I forget the lady's name. Some years back. That's what she's been doing. Now, I'm going to tell you, I, t- I told Bradley, I said they have done her up in such a manner that she looks like she's trying to be an adult film star. That's some of the makeup and the hair and all that other stuff. And instead of being just who she is, they've done her up like that. Same thing with uh, Lauren Boy, but we're going to, we're going to bring that up as well. But here they are. They've been engaging in this for many years, apparently. Uh, she shows up. I'm showing some of the pictures for those who are listening by way of radio uh, I'm just showing some of the pictures of their meetings um, and some things also. Apologize, it's Daily Mail, so they have all kinds of crap on the side. Uh, but here they are with their spouses. And, um, yeah, I, I I can't imagine how the spouses feel about this. I mean, this is it's not just like it comes out in the house or around the family. This is across the nation and in the world that this is being exposed. And I don't think these are the only ones. I think they're just the latest. There's probably others as well. Um, But here she is, a governor, doing this right here. And Bradley's done many shows to show you that she's lying through her teeth when she talks about she didn't lock anything down, she didn't shut anything down in her state, and blah, 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 right? Didn't do that. And um, so that's kind of the... That's kind of the way a lot of this stuff goes. She's not what she pretends to be. And you can bet that they're, you know, setting her up for some kind of VP position or presidential run or something like that. No question in my mind about it. And I'm not going to sit here and uh, go through a bunch of stuff. I'm not going to be gratuitous in it. I'm just kind of scrolling down here so that you see some of the images that are here. And um, it's really interesting, again, that Christy's obviously a woman in a position of authority. Okay? Okay. And yes, I'm going to say some things that if you are a modern-minded woman, you're going to be offended at. It's not my intention to offend you. That's not what I'm trying to do. But I am going to give you the truth about the matter. And I think a lot of conservatives, a lot of Christians, a lot of constitutionalists need to understand this. The things that we're going to talk about in this hour. Because we've talked about them before. 
seems I bring this up every year that there is a presidential election. Now that's Christy Noem. Then we have Lauren Boebert. And uh, Lauren is done up in a very similar manner. They wear these tight dresses. They cake the makeup on pretty thick. The hair, all this stuff, like they're some kind of movie star or something. And I'm not even going to play this, this video. You guys have probably seen it. Uh, again, I'm not into gratuity or anything like that. And this is night, a night vision camera. It's kind of interesting that it's kind of focused on them. So who knows? Well, Tim, somebody, somebody focused on them. They're out there in the Me Too thing and blah, 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 blah. Look, who does this? A grown adult. Who does this in the movie theater? The guy she's with is, is the enemy, according to her. He's a, he's a Democrat, right? Yep. He's a Democrat. It's kind of like, um, what's her name? Guilfoyle. You know, the, 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 the woman that's about 10 years senior of uh, Donald Trump Jr. Engaged to him. And she was with Gavin Newsom before. It's like, do you guys even believe the ideology that you're espousing? Guys over here groping her, groping her breast, and then she's fondling him in the movie theater after she was asked not to vape in there by a pregnant mother. She told her no. And I don't think she was supposed to be doing it in there anyway. Nevertheless, nevertheless, there it is. And I can guarantee you Lauren's problems started before she got to D.C. And when she got to D.C., everything I hear about D.C. is it's all about compromising these people who come in, who think they're going to be idealists. I, would want no, I want nothing to do with D.C. Tim, won't you run for office? I don't want it. I don't want it. But can you imagine her husband? I don't even think their divorce is final. Seeing this, her kids seeing this, and how hurt they must be. Now, why is that? Why are these two women front and center on this issue? Because of their hypocrisy. Both of them have talked about family values. Both of them, as far as I know, have professed to be Christian. They want to parade that around to people. And I don't have a problem with people being that way. I don't have any problem with people saying those things. But you better be walking the walk. Especially at this level that you're at. You've got to know the enemy has a trap at every step you take. you got to know that. And here they are doing it. And I want to ask, were the Republicans calling for them to step down, that they don't represent them? No, they don't do that because they do represent many of them. Because many of them are doing the same thing. You follow? Many of them are doing the same thing. And that's why they let it go. Oh, if I point the finger out there, it might get, I might get the finger pointed back at me if I do that. Yesterday, um, or maybe it was the day before, 
but I did read it yesterday. Um, Robert Spencer had written on this issue regarding um, Lauren Boebert. Now, the title almost represents that he's accepting of it, but it is. And that's not what that's not what he ends up doing. But he's just pointing out the hypocrisy of the quote unquote left. He uses this term too. I don't I don't know why these guys do that. It doesn't make sense to me. Okay. This is what he wrote. Lauren Boebert and her date group each other, and just like that, the left is against lewd sex acts in public. And he is demonstrating a hypocrisy of people who've promoted open sex in the public, sodomy, drag queen story hours for children, and all the rest. And now all of a sudden they're upset that you know, that little film from them watching Beetlejuice, well, I guess they weren't watching it, um, has emerged. Hmm. He says the party of drag queens in primary schools has suddenly become the party of Victorian prudery. That's right. But it's to get the eye off of them. So you remember that thing about Saul Alinsky that he wrote? He says, you know, you hold the other, the people you've targeted to their standard. You hold them to their standards, and when they don't do it, that's when you come in. This is what the devil does. He's an accuser of the brethren, right? Nevertheless, if you're, if you're one who's not lived up to the standards, well then, that's part of what goes on. Um, and the Bible talks about these things too. For instance, Paul, writing in Romans chapter 2, here's what he says. Let me bring this up here. Verse 18, I'm just picking up in the middle of this. Again, Paul is arguing that the Jew as well as the Gentile are under the law. Okay? And all are guilty before God under the law. And here's what he tells the Jews. And no, it says, Behold, thou art called a Jew, and restest in the law, and makest thy boast of God. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with, with preaching the law and holding to it and making your boast in the God of the law because that's part of his character. Okay? And knowest his will and approvest the things that are more excellent, being instructed out of the law, and are confident that thou thyself art a guide of the blind, a light of them which are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, which hast the form of knowledge and of the truth in the law. Thou therefore, which teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? Thou that preachest a man should not steal, dost thou steal? Thou that sayest a man should not commit adultery, dost thou commit adultery? Thou that abhorrest idols, dost thou commit sacrilege? Thou that makest thy boast of the law, through breaking the law dishonorest thou God? Hmm. For the name of God, listen to this, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you, as it is written. When you claim to follow the Christ and you 
do things like this, you give reason or cause for the people around that hear you say and talk about Jesus and talk about the Bible and talk about the law, you give them reason to blaspheme God. That's a pretty serious thing. That's a pretty serious thing. In fact, we're going to talk about character issues here. And this specifically deals with with these two women here. Both of them have families. They have children. I think their children are grown. But nevertheless, they're instructed on what to do. It isn't to go into public office. That's not what they're instructed to do. Titus chapter 2 is very clear. It's very clear. Verse 3, the age women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. So once your children are up and out of the house, guess what you're supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be teaching other young women, including maybe if you have daughters, teaching them how to do that with their husbands and with their children and and all of the things, because what's the younger women to be? Well, they teach the young women these things, to be sober, to love their husbands, love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. The, the word there literally is their energy is focused in the home, energeo oikos. Good, obedient to their own husbands, not other husbands, not other men, to their own husband. You see where that gets into a problem when you start to go work for some other man? I'm just, I'm just saying, you've got two authority figures in your, in your mind. That's what happens. And he says to do it, what? That the word of God be not blasphemed. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Because any unbeliever can read these three verses and know what they say, And when you don't do that, you give them a reason to say, well, you don't even believe what the Bible says. Hmm. You don't even believe what it says. And you you give them a reason to blaspheme the Word of God. That's what happens. I mean, this is not hard. This is not hard to understand. These are very simple things. Maybe you haven't heard it before. But if you profess to be a Christian, you're a woman, you should read this. This goes hand in hand with all of Scripture. So let's ask a question. How did these women get in this position? Because I can tell you, you go back a hundred. You may can even go back less than a hundred years. And you will find the men, there were men who represented the people. Oh, Tim, you're chauvinistic. Oh, you're misogynist. No, I'm not. This is the foundations. You people out there that claim you believe the Bible and you follow Jesus and all, you should be perking your ears up and saying, where is all this in Scripture? Well, I'm going to give you some of it in just a second. Notice there there were no queens on their own ruling in Israel, were they? They were all kings. It means they were men. They weren't women who pretended to be men. They were men. 
You say, yeah, but there was, there, was a, there was a judge who was a woman. Her name was Deborah. Yeah. Did she take the place of the king, or did she just simply go to him privately and say, you're not doing what you're supposed to do? She didn't go do it for him. She went with him, but she didn't go do it for him. Same thing happens with Miriam. Yeah, go look at what happened with Miriam. Miriam went and led who in singing and dancing? Women, not men. She led women. And then when she tried to take the place of Moses, what happened? She got leprosy. Mm, yeah. See, when something is wrong, when it's against the natural order, when it's against God, what happens? There are consequences of that. Things happen to people. Not good things, bad things. Those kinds of things happen. And all throughout Scripture, we've seen, even from the beginning, who was to be the head of the family? Adam was to be the head, not Eve. And Eve left to herself. What did she do? She succumbed to the seduction of the serpent and partook of the fruit she was told not to partake of. Where was Adam? We, we don't even know. All of a sudden, he comes up. She's already partook of it, and she goes, hey, this is great stuff. Here, have some. Yes, dear. And he partakes of it. So again, I have this conversation a lot, especially around election time, simply because people don't get it. I, I don't know why they don't get it, because this seems like this should be fundamental. If you're going to be electing somebody to office, that that person have good character, right? I mean, that doesn't that just sound like it should be that way? You would elect somebody who's going to represent you to have good character. So what does the Bible tell us about that kind of stuff? Well, it builds upon principles that it's laid out, precepts that it's laid out. And one of the things we do know is that us fellas, look, we're going to give the greater account than our wives. We are going to give the greater account. I don't know about you, that causes me to, to tremble. Because there's a lot I don't want to give account for. But I am. I'm going to give that account. And so will you. And from the beginning, man was to be the head. And if you go to 1 Corinthians 11, you'll see that. Man's the head. Who's over him? Christ. Who's over him? God. But man's to be the head. And woman is to be his helpmate. And the children run into them. That's the first principle. So in within the family, the first we start with obviously self-government. We govern ourselves. Second is in the family, and that's how that order is structured. That's how it's set up. And then when you go into the people of God, the ecclesia, what do you see? What do you see? Are women forbidden from ministering, sharing, you know, the word of God with people? And no, they're not. For, they're not forbidden from that. In fact, the first ladies who gave the gospel, they gave it to men because they went to the tomb and they saw that it was empty, and they went back and told the disciples. So that's one thing. But having authority is a whole other thing. There's a there's a difference there. There's a distinction. And so this is why when Paul writes to both Timothy and Titus, what does he do? He lays out who is to be over the people of God, who is to be in 
uh, as set as an example of service to the people, and that is to be men, but not just any men, specific kinds of men. And uh, one of those, I forgot to open this up because I wanted to go here first, um, is out of the book of Acts. And this is, this is pretty much the first place that we see uh, this kind of thing going on. And um, so here's what happens. Let's go there first. Acts chapter 6. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now, what is, what's going on here? Okay, so they were to be those who cared for their widows. Paul reiterates this in Timothy. This is a theme throughout the Old Testament. God loves widows. You mess with... This is the problem. I'm going to tell you. This is the thing I see with these lawyers who lie in wait for these widows and these uh, the widowers to steal their land and their houses and stuff like you got a you got a reckoning coming boys cuz god do, god's not one who's blind to that he sees what you're doing and he's going to come get you he's going to deal with you it's a bad place to put yourself going after widows and that's what's going on here the 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 hellenistic or the grecian widows weren't being cared for but the the hebrew widows were So, the twelve, these are the, the ones minus Judas plus Matthias, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reasonable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. It's not that serving tables wasn't necessary or needed. It was. That's why they're going to do what they're going to do. But they're saying, we have to give ourselves to the word of God. We're learning and we're proclaiming and we've got to do that. That's what God has called us to. He has not called us to do certain, you know, this service here, which, by the way, a deacon, diakonos, it means that. It's a servant. It's not the people who run everything. It's a servant. Okay? Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. They told the people to look for this. Seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Now, let me tell you something. Those who go into office, it doesn't matter if they're at the local level, the state level, or the federal level, they are there as diakonos. They're there as servants. What did they tell the people here to do in among the people of God? They said they need to have an honest report. They need to be full of the Holy Ghost, and they need to be wise so they can be appointed over this business. Pretty, it's a pretty simple, straightforward thing. And so what did they do? Verse 4, We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word, and the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte, of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And why did they do that? Because the, the, the people said, we believe these men to fit the description that you said. And what did the apostles do? Well, they set them apart. They sanctified them, if you will. That's what that means, to be set apart. When they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And what, what was the result? The word of God increased, the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. <laughs> 
they did what God said to do, which he said through the, uh, through the 12 here, and they were blessed as a result of it. Okay? So, what happens now? Well, we know that Paul went throughout Asia Minor, and he established groups of believers there. He preached the gospel. There were both in the synagogue and outside the synagogue, and those people began, they, they believed, and they began to meet together. And so he comes back, and he begins to establish elders in the city. That's not anything new. Go back and read your Old Testament. Elders existed in the Old Testament, too. They were to be those men who were wise. Men, men, men who were wise. And they look to the law and they judge for the people. Usually at the city gates. He's doing this in the church, by the way. So God gives us principles about men and about their character from individual to family, now in the church. And listen, do you think God teaches us all those on those precepts just to go to the civil sphere and say, ah, forget all that stuff I taught you about men and authority? Forget that. You, you can just put in whoever you want. They can be male, female. They can think they're a male, and they're really a female. They're a female, and they think they're a male, or whatever they promote, whatever lifestyle they've lived, they can, they can be in office. That's okay. I'll bless that. Does that. Is that what he says? In fact, he writes very carefully in two passages of Scripture, pretty straightforward. I, I mean, I shouldn't even have to do anything but read this, and I'm going to do that. This is from Titus chapter 1. To Titus, beginning in verse 4, Mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. For this cause, what cause? What he just said. We got a common faith. We got a common faith. The same God and Father, the same Lord Jesus Christ. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting. There's something that's that's not been set up just yet. And ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. Okay, Paul, I'm, I'm here ready to, uh, to, to set in order the things that are wanting to ordain these elders. How do I do that? Well, he's going to tell him. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop... This is literally the term overseer. It's not the term pastor. It's an overseer. Bishop is not a bad word. It's not necessarily a Roman Catholic word. It's just an understanding that these people are elders or overseers. The bishop must be blameless as the steward of God. Not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, he's not a brawler, he's not, a, he's not one that goes around starting fights and stuff. Not given to filthy lucre, he's not after money, that's not, what, that's, not what his, that's not what his mindset is about. But a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, 
holding fast the faithful word as he had been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine, that's just simply sound teaching, both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert... See, there's a place where the the whole free speech, that ends when people are speaking lawlessly. And that's what he's talking about, about the Judaizers, that they're coming in and they're telling people things that are not true. And instead of making the people free, they're enslaving them by what they're teaching them. And he says, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. They're doing it for money. Second Peter chapter 2. So that's from Titus. He talks about the elders. What about Timothy? 1 Timothy chapter 3. Here he talks about the elders and also the deacons. Listen to what he says. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. There's nothing wrong with a man desiring to fulfill the office for which he's been gifted. And I'm going to tell you, in most cases, the guy who has been qualified for this office, he probably knows it, but he he wants it, but he realizes he's going to give a big account. And so there's maybe some timidity even in that. Now, some men are not like that. But those, I think, that understand the weight of it, they have a little timidity about that because they're going to give a big account for what they're doing. So he says this, the bishop, remember that's the overseer, your elder, he may have the gift of pastor, that is a gift, that's a specific, a specific gift that's, that's named in Ephesians chapter 4, and it's necessary for the church, okay? But notice, a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, just like Titus said. It doesn't say the wife of one husband, does it? So anybody taking this position in the church that's a female and claims that it's of God is lying to you because it's there in black and white. He must be a husband of one wife. Now, I come from a Southern Baptist background, and a lot of guys really get on this, and that's fine. But they say, well, it doesn't say one wife at a time. And what they mean is, you can only have one wife in your, in your lifetime. Well, what if your wife died? The idea is that his wife is his wife. That is, that is the apple of his eye. That is the person who is his helpmate. That's who he's got his love and affection set on. That's the issue. He says, they must be vigilant. They must be sober. They must be of good behavior. They must be given to hospitality. And they must be apt to teach. They have to be able to teach. If you can't teach, you can't be an elder. <laughs> you just can't do it. Not given to wine, no striker, 
not greedy, filthy lucre. It's the same thing that Titus said. But they must be patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One, look at this. One that ruleth well his own house, having children in subjection with all gravity. And why? Listen to it. Hear it. Hear it loud. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Now, this is, this is very important. I, it's why I'm against single men who've never been married, don't have children, being in this position. How do you tell whether or not that guy knows what he's talking about and what he's doing? How do you know that? You see the evidence of it in his family life, those who are closest to him. You see it there. That's where you see the measure of the man. That's where you see the character. It's not when he's out on stage. It's not when he's behind a pulpit. It's not when the lights are on and the camera's on. It's what he is when it's just him and his family. Now listen, I want to ask you something. If God says this among his people, why then did those who claim to be his people say, this doesn't matter, we can elect whoever we want in there, and they can have, they can just have the most gross sins committed, and they will still say, oh, well, God forgives that. He does if they're repentant. But in some cases, doing that, doing certain amounts of these things, like we talked about with Bobert and... Christy Noam and stuff, they're doing it while they're in office. While God can forgive those things, they don't need to be in that position. They don't, those women don't need to be in that position anyway. Just going to tell you, they don't need to be in that position. It's a position that God holds men to because it carries authority. Just telling you, you can be mad at me all you want to and say all the things you want to. It doesn't hurt me. I'm not five years old anymore. Okay. They don't need to be there in the first place. And sadly, the American people are all too happy to do the exact opposite of what God says to do. Well, God didn't tell us that about civil. Do you Again, do you think he starts with you yourself, moves up in the family, shows what the authority is there, moves up into the church, shows what the authority is there, what the character is supposed to be, and then comes to the civil sphere and says, scrap that, we're going to do it completely different. You do it your way. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. And you won't find it anywhere in Scripture. In fact, you'll find the exact opposite. God talks about women and little children leading them, and that's part of His judgment. Why? Because the men have been emasculated. They've been effeminized. They don't want to take their role. They want to be just like Adam and say, well, you know, whatever you say, dear. You take the lead. Back to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3. If a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Again, if you've got a, a person holding out their hand for your vote, and their house looks like the devil runs it rather than God, you probably don't need to vote for that person. Even if they're a man. Same thing, I, this is what I don't understand. I, we talk about this and during the election season, people go, well, we're not electing a pastor-in-chief. 
And I just immediately go and I say, so what you want is you want somebody in civil government that you would never have behind your pulpit. You want a person with less character in a public office that's going to have more... Because look, the guy from the pulpit, the only authority he has is what God has given him. And that's preaching the word, and there may be occasions of church discipline. But as far as them coming and taxing you, as far as them coming and uh, taking your land, your house, carting you off to jail, they don't have that authority to do that. But these guys do. And the people say, we're just fine with a guy who's had two or three wives. He's cheated on all of them, didn't raise, really raise any of his kids. He's all about money. He's all about himself. I'm not naming any names or anything, but we'd rather have that guy in office. Do you see the problem here? And so women come up and they, they ask for the vote and they give you all the language that you want to hear, family values and all, and then you find out stuff like we're finding out here about Governor Noam and about Lauren Boebert. Am I saying the women can't be forgiven? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is there's a problem from the beginning. They shouldn't have been there. Their husbands should have been leading them. Even telling them, no, this is not for you. This is not what you're supposed to be. God says this. This is what he's laid out. These are his principles. The men don't do that. And I'm not saying the men are responsible for what the women do, but I'm saying I'll bet that kind of instruction wasn't going on. In fact, I'll bet the exact opposite was going on. Yeah, honey, you'd be great doing that. I'll support you all the way. Really, it's, it's a sad thing. Then he says this, Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. Listen to that. In other words, people outside of the people of God recognize this man has good character. They may not agree with him. They may even loathe what he says as far as the word of God, but they recognize he's a good man. He's demonstrated the work of God in his life. When I say good, understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm pointing back to the character qualities that we see in the first in the in the uh, verses before, because Jesus says there is none good. So I get it. Okay, I just want to correct myself on that. I'm saying he's a man of good report. That's what the that's what the text says. He's got good character. And that's been wrought in him by the Spirit of God. It wasn't something he produced out of his own flesh. Okay? All right, real quickly. He's got to have a good report of them which were without, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. The people outside the people of God know that he has good character, just like the people who put him in the position based upon what God said to look for. Then he goes to the servants, the deacons. Likewise, must the deacons be graved, not double-tongued, not given to much wine. And by the way, he says not much wine. So you know, all you teetotalers out there, if that's your conscience, that's fine. Paul says that, that makes you the weaker brother, but that's fine. But the guy can have wine, just not too much. Okay, he's not given to it. Doesn't control him. Not greedy for filthy lucre holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these also first be proved. In other words, are they doing the works of service 
before you set them apart? Have they demonstrated that God's already working in them without a title, without any kind of grandeur, laying on of hands, any of this kind of stuff? And let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave. doesn't say their husbands. So these are men. Again, these are men. Their wives must be grave. See, even the servants you're looking in their family. Listen, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. That's what the wives need to be of, the, of these deacons. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For if they have used the office of a deacon, will purchase to them or will purchase to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Now I can go back, and I can point you in the Old Testament about these things too. Remember the kings. What were the kings to do? The kings were to take the law, and they were write for themselves a copy of the law. They were to keep it there. They were to read it continually. That's what they were supposed to do. And we had many kings in Israel who just didn't do that. They just ignored the law. And their character showed that they ignored the law. It demonstrated. See, the, the word does something. It washes you. It cleanses you. I can't I can't sit here and explain it. You have to experience it for yourself. I get a little story that I used to tell of a father who had a son, and this was back in the days for running water, and he had this, you, you ever seen those woven baskets? He had a woven basket that he pulled coal in to bring in and heat the house. And he said, take it down to the creek and wash that basket out. He took it down to the creek and he washed it off a little bit and he came back and it still got some black coal still across it. Because you know it just takes forever. That stuff gets all down in the all the nooks and crannies of the, the weave. And he sends him down there and he keeps sending him back. And each time it gets a little cleaner and a little cleaner until the dad's satisfied that it's been clean. This is what the word does. Husbands, you are to wash your, wa- wash your wife with the water of the word. Jesus talks about giving the woman at the well a water in which she'll never thirst again. This is what should be going on, and instead, what have we done as a people? We've said, nope, we'll let the women rule. We won't have men of character. Screw that. I mean, we'll just take whatever we can take, whatever we can get, whoever's name comes to our lips, and the rest, and that's who will put in office over us. We'll even do it in our churches now. Is God going to bless that? Nope, and you see the evidence of it before you today. It's time for the church to repent. The church, not the world, the church to repent. Bradley be with you at three. Lord willing, we'll see you here in the morning, 6 a.m. Adios.